Welcome to the CSIS Podcast. I'm Colm Quinn. America already spends more on defense than any other country in the world, and if Donald Trump gets his way, it'll be spending a lot more. This week, the Trump administration announced its first budget proposal, and it seeks to increase the current defense budget by about 10%, or $54 billion. It's early days in the process, so it's not clear where the money will come from or what will be cut in order to fund the increase, although reports suggest that the Environmental Protection Agency as well as the State Department could be worst hit. To talk us through what this increase would mean and what goes into the defence budget is Todd Harrison. He's the head of defence budget analysis at CSIS. It it may not be what it seems uh, to a lot of people. So the $54 billion increase in defence, that is relative to the budget caps that are in a plate that are in place for 2018. So the current level of defense funding is 551 billion in 2017. That's the budget cap for this year. Next year the cap goes down to 549 billion. And so what the president proposed is 54 billion above 549. So it comes out to 603 billion for defense. The other important caveat here is that does not include war-related funding. The so-called Overseas Contingency Operations Budget, we like to call it OCO. Um, That's for operations in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria. It includes funding for the European Reassurance Initiative, what we're doing to bolster our allies in uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, And it actually, that, that other budget, the OCO budget, includes a lot of funding that used to be in the regular base budget. That's not included in what the president uh, proposed here. He just proposed an increase uh, in the base budget above the budget caps. Now, in comparison, President Obama had already planned in his last budget request that the budget for defense would go up uh, in 2018. Uh, under the Obama budget, it would have gone up to $584 billion. Um, so that also is, you know, that's a sizable amount. That's $35 billion above the budget caps. So one way of looking at this is President Trump proposed a $54 billion increase. Uh, President Obama had already planned for a $35 billion increase. So if, say, fighting wars has its separate account, and we can go into that if you like, why is this increase then necessary? What goes into that increase? Yeah, so the the regular base budget for defense is supposed to be used for the enduring cost of having our military, the costs that you would incur regardless of operations around the world, the contingencies that might come up. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, roughly speaking, about a third of it goes to pay and benefits for military personnel, just the regular pay, the health care, the retirement pay, all of that um, that we set aside every year for military personnel. Another third of it uh, goes to what we call operation and maintenance. Uh, that goes to maintaining the equipment in our inventory. It goes to everyday peacetime operations, you know, having our ships uh, deployed overseas to Japan or wherever they may be, uh, just regular deployments. It also goes to training. Uh, making sure our forces are properly trained so that if they're called upon, they can go into combat. And then the other third of the budget uh, goes to acquisitions. It goes to developing and buying uh, weapon systems and other equipment that we need for our armed forces. So, you know, the increase that we're talking about here, you know, it will presumably be divided among all of those different areas of the budget. Uh, the the general sense that we've gotten from the Trump administration is they think the military um, has a readiness crisis, that there's a backlog of maintenance of our equipment, there's a backlog of training that needs to be done, and there's a shortage of personnel. 
So I would expect that much of that $54 billion increase will go to increasing the number of personnel, uh, doing more maintenance, uh, and doing more training, uh, and then probably some for acquisitions as well. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, acquisition has been an interesting one uh, that Trump has seemed to have taken on. Personally, the big example being the F-35 fighter jet. He's looking to cut the, the costs around that. Can he? Is there savings that could be found there? There are. There always are. Um, you know, anyone who works in defense acquisitions will tell you that absolutely, you know, our acquisition process needs to be reformed. We can get more effective, more efficient. Um, a lot of it, though, is in the eye of the beholder, uh, whether or not you think a particular weapon system is worth what we're paying. Um, you know, can you just negotiate a better deal? Um, you know, the, the results are mixed on that, I would say. If you take the F-35 program in, in particular uh, that Trump has tweeted about uh, and now got personally involved in as commander-in-chief, um, that program, you know, it's had a troubled history. It's had major cost overruns in the past. It has stabilized somewhat in recent years. The Obama administration had pushed really hard on that program, negotiating uh, on really tough terms with Lockheed Martin, so much so that in the, the Lot 9 contract for those aircraft, um, the negotiations stretched on for over a year and a half. Finally, the government, uh, uh, you know, the Department of Defense said, that's enough. We are finalizing this contract unilaterally and basically signed it without Lockheed. Uh, and pushed forward. Now, President Trump came in uh, and said, hey, I think we can get a better price, uh, and then pretty quickly got a deal with Lockheed for Lot 10, the next contract. But if you look at the numbers on that, um, they're actually in line with the price reductions we had already been seeing on the program. You know, there's a thing called the learning curve effect. The more times you build the same thing, the more efficient you get at building it. Uh, and so the price reductions we've seen on that are right in line with the learning curve of this program. So um, the, the president did get personally involved. He probably did speed up the negotiations quite a bit. Uh, but the price reduction looks like it's something that would have happened anyway regardless of who had been president. The idea of, of the, the increase, we talked about how Obama's uh, budget was also calling for an increase. And do we know now at this early stage, how much of these increases signal policy and signal a, a focus? This America first has been kind of this broad uh, umbrella under which policy has been talked about. And how much of it kind of would have been happening anyway? Yeah, so I'll start with the second half of that. How much would it uh, would have happened anyway? Um, I think it's it's safe to say that if uh, Hillary Clinton had been elected president, we probably would have seen her administration come out with a defense budget that's right about the same level. Quite frankly, that's what I would have anticipated. Um, and the reason being that you know the Hillary campaign had said all along that they believed you know that some of the cuts had gone too far, uh, that they thought there were some uh, gaps and capabilities, and we needed to rebuild and, and um, you know go from there. Um, so it's not that different than what we're seeing from the Trump administration now. I think the character of the buildup, though, if you will, uh, where the money will be invested may be different under Trump. Trump has talked about uh, specifically growing the army uh, to a force that's 90,000 larger in the active duty uh, than what was planned under the Obama administration. So there's a lot of money uh, that it'll take to get there, and you won't get there in one year either. And he's also talked about growing the Navy uh, to more than 350 ships in the Navy, and we're a little less than 280 ships right now. So that's a big increase. And again, 
you won't get there. You wouldn't even get there within two terms uh, in office. Uh, so that's a long-term prospect. But he could start the shipbuilding plan ramping up now. I think the Obama administration, and this probably would have carried through uh, in the Clinton administration, was much more focused on air power um, and sea power, but less focused on ground power. So the investments might have gone in a different direction uh, under the Clinton administration. But the total amount, I think, is probably pretty consistent. Now, to the first part of your question, uh, you know, your defense budget should be set according to your defense strategy, what it is you want the military to do in the world, and the threats that you see uh, that you're going to face in the world. Um, we have not yet gotten that defense strategy from President Trump, and we probably won't for another year. They have to go ahead with a budget anyway. Um, you know, can we try to divine what the president's defense strategy is? Uh, you know, his inaugural address sounded very isolationist, talked about America first, that we spent too much uh, defending other people's borders. We need to do more to defend our own borders. Um, that, you know, the general sense is that we should reduce our security commitments around the world. And he specifically singled out our NATO allies, some of our partners in the Middle East, uh, and our allies in the Asia Pacific region. If I were to translate all of that, into a defense strategy uh, and then look at, okay, what kind of military forces do I need and what kind of budget? You could probably do that with a much smaller military and a much smaller defense budget. Now, I don't necessarily think that is where his defense strategy is going because he's calling for a buildup of the military. Um, you know, if instead we end up with a, a Trump administration defense strategy um, that's more like what we've had in the past, which is you know, a strategy of primacy, that we want to be the predominant military power in each of the key regions in the world. Um, you know, we want to fulfill all of our security commitments to our NATO allies, partners in the Middle East, and in the Asia-Pacific region. If you want to do all of that, you know what, you probably need a larger military than we have right now, uh, and that could be the justification for a larger defense budget. Right now, we've not gotten that clarity from the Trump administration, so you know, I think that we've we've got a, a strategy budget mismatch emerging and, you know, that's something they need to do over the next few months is help connect those two for us. And, and Trump himself, you know, he prides himself as a deal maker. So historically speaking, like how much of these budgets, how much does a president's budget actually become reality? How does, how does the process work and how often does it actually end up being uh, what the president wants? So the president requests a budget. Congress actually appropriates. So Congress has a lot of power here, and Congress will often deviate quite a bit from what the president requests. Uh, if you look back in the 1980s in the Reagan buildup, uh, President Reagan was requesting defense budgets uh, that were much higher than what Congress appropriated each year. And the budget went up significantly under Reagan, but it wasn't as much as the Reagan administration was planning for. Um, if you fast forward to the Clinton administration when we were in a drawdown uh, in defense, um, the Clinton administration had actually, was actually submitting budgets uh, that called for a deeper drawdown, and Congress was adding money back. Um, so, you know, under the Obama administration, a lot of people don't realize it, uh, but in just about every year of the Obama, Obama administration, Congress cut what the president requested for defense. Uh, Congress actually gave DOD less money than what the president requested in almost every single year. So, you know, going forward, what's going to happen in the Trump administration? 
I think quite honestly, it, it depends on a couple of things. It depends on how good of a relationship he develops uh, with the Republican leadership in Congress to help shepherd through his budget proposal each year. And a lot of it depends on what kind of a deal he can get on the broader budget um, because it's, you know, the defense budget is not in isolation. It's not considered in isolation on the Hill. Uh, it uh, is inevitably tied to the non-defense side of the budget. He's got to negotiate a budget deal with Congress uh, to adjust the budget caps for defense and non-defense if he wants to get any of this through. And that was Todd Harrison bringing us to the end of this week's show. We'll be back again next week, so until then, do please get in touch on Twitter or by emailing cquinn at csis.org. As always, thanks for listening.